This episode is made possible by our sponsors, CSU Ramzone, powered by the CSU Bookstore, Ginger and Baker, and Peterson Toyota. Peterson Toyota is your local Toyota dealer serving Fort Collins, Loveland, Windsor, and Tinmouth, and has been doing so for more than 50 years. Not only will you find the latest Toyota models, you'll also find a friendly and accommodating staff eager to assist you. You'll receive first-class attention, whether it be a service appointment, help picking out the right part for your Toyota, or test driving a new or pre-owned vehicle. Stop in and check out the 2024 RAV4 Hybrid, a beauty with a selection of 17 or 18-inch alloy wheels, an available two-tone roof, and a new enhanced 10-year hybrid battery warranty from the date of first use or 150,000 miles, whichever comes first. Whatever you're looking for, Peterson's expert staff will help you find the one that's right for you, all at competitive pricing and financing. Peterson strives to be the best in everything they do, and they will take care of you. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please get Peterson Toyota first shot of your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. And you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not bow. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Say. Welcome, everybody, to Ram Nation Radio. I am Joel Cantalamessa, joined by Mike Rowe. In a second, we'll have our monthly conversation with Colorado State Athletic Director Joe Parker to get the latest scoop in Ramland. We'll get all your questions answered. Got a lot of them answered last month. Uh, there was a few lingering questions, and and Mike and I have a bunch of stuff we want to know as well. So uh, that'll be a good conversation. Unfortunately, we are coming off a day in which the Rams' nine-game winning streak came to a halt. Saturday, tough home loss, 64-61 to the St. Mary's Gales. They played their best game of the year. The Rams, as you know, have been shorthanded the last couple games without Josiah Strong, uh, who broke his wrist, and Jalen Lake, who broke his finger, both players non-shooting hands. Um, Those are two of the best perimeter defenders on the team and we definitely could have used them on Saturday St. Mary's got some big shots from guys who had not really shot well all season and uh, they were the difference coming into the game Joshua Jefferson Augustus Marcelonis and Luke Barrett uh, were a combined 16 percent behind the arc and Saturday shot 39 percent they were five of 13 they they uh, and in the in the manner of which they hit a couple of them were just big Marcelona's finished with 18 points, Jefferson 16, and he also had 13 rebounds, a double-double for him. And meanwhile, the Rams were just 28% from behind the arc, and we just got two two points from the bench. So it was not our best performance. Credit to St. Mary's. They, they mucked it up. They played a really physical game. We tried to match it, just did not play as well, didn't shoot as well as we had been. St. Mary's made bigger shots when they needed it. It was not the prettiest of games either. Not a lot of flow or sitting in the arena and just could not seem like there was any momentum. Every time the crowd would get loud, there would be a stoppage of play or a timeout, you know, a foul, whatnot. So, but yeah, there, there was a, it was a very physical game. Came up with a couple of buddies who hadn't been to a game in a while and uh, they absolutely loved. And these are the guys, these are guys that were there during the tiny era. And so a few years before me, They've been to Moby since then, obviously, but they it's been a couple year, few years since they've actually been to a CSU game. And they were just in awe of the Moby madness and the raucous crowd and, and very excited about that. But we were all kind of commenting on the the play of the game with the way St. Mary's plays. They really are physical. They grab you. There's a lot of times it seems like they could have been fouled or called for fouls and they weren't. 
But uh, they played as if they were their their season was on the line. Come into the game at four and five, they needed a good win for their metrics, and the Rams played hard despite. You know, what Nico said, they were running on fumes. They're they're banged up with obviously missing the two guys. Zay has been hurt with a hit pointer. Pat's been hurt with his back. Bembo was hurt. He didn't play very many minutes. I think he played seven minutes in the game and not his best. Uh, and I, I just think going forward here, the next two, three games, you probably need to give Kyan Evans and Tavy more minutes than they did get. I think they got upwards of 20 minutes uh, on Saturday, but Zay played 37 minutes and uh, he's been doing that in almost every game. And he still, he played well. He was he 20 points, but he also had six turnovers and he looked a little tired to me. See, he's getting a lot of, a lot, a lot of minutes and he doesn't come off the court. And uh, to credit him, his stamina is unbelievable, but you can tell there's some times when late, late in the game, he's, he's lag, dragging a little bit. Uh, missed a couple free throws as well, where he just looked like he didn't have the legs under him. It was a tough game for Joel Scott. He just could not get into a rhythm on the court. He was 0 for 4 from the floor. He picked up three fouls. Uh, I think he only had two points on, on free throws. So not his best when he kind of needed him. Nick Clifford finished with 16 points. He really gave the the boost with a couple dribble drives, getting to the to the rim, uh, had a big dunk that 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 had the crowd going, but he also missed a couple other big dunks that, uh, that clanged off the rim that would have really blown the roof off of Moby had he made them. Would have really given the crowd a boost, sent everybody into a frenzy. But I, I got to say, the crowd was electric again. Every, it was another sellout, second straight, which is fantastic. The students have been unbelievable. Credit to them. And uh, hopefully the the rest of the general public starts hopping on board. I think I think it's it's just amazing when Moby is full like that and rocking it is fun. I really think we got hosed on a couple calls. Uh, one late, Pat Cartier, who went straight up on a late in the shot clock uh, floater by Aiden Mahaney. Mahaney's kind of his momentum. There's like probably a second left on the shot clock. And then he jumped up and kind of dropped, put this floater up and missed. Uh, but his momentum carried him into Cartier. He was, you know, he jumped, but he was going straight up with his hands straight up. And um, Haiti made contact with him after the shot was released and got a foul call. And so uh, he he made one of two, which gave St. Mary's a three-point lead. That's a big difference than, than uh, the Rams having the ball down two. I mean, the, the, you like your chances there uh, as we had not been shooting the three well. Gives you a chance to go go for a two there to tie the game. And then St. Mary's delivered uh, that dagger before the clock expired. And there was another one where there was a loose ball. They lost the ball with two seconds left on the clock. The officials awarded them the ball. We're feeling pretty good because there's only two seconds left on the clock. We defended for about four and a half seconds on the inbounds. And uh, the inbounder found Jefferson on the wing for a wide open three. Joel Scott was a little late in closing that out. And, uh, Jefferson made a, a three and he came into that game just two of 26 on the year. And uh, he goes two for five for behind the arc, including that one. So it was a missed opportunity as the Rams uh, surely would have surged into the top 10 of the polls as it is. They, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a huge drop. They dropped to 17th and 18th in the coaches and AP polls. They dropped into the twenties in the net rankings after the loss. But uh, as of last night, after Monday night's action, uh, they are back to number 16 in net. That's obviously very fluid, moves around every day. But also of note, Washington beat Gonzaga 78-73 to on Saturday. What a big win for Washington. Makes that win look so much better um, 
for CSU. It already looked good, but that it makes it all the much better. And then CU, Wallet, top 15 Miami by 27 on the road. What in the world? Uh, and they did that without their start. So um, the Rams resume just keeps getting better and better. You know, they they have this week off, eight days off between games, and it is much needed. Uh, they host CSU Pueblo on Sunday. I think this time off should do the team really good. And as I mentioned, Nico has said multiple times, the team is kind of running on fumes emotionally and physically. They're also banged up, obviously. I don't think they're going to get Jalen back for Sunday. I don't even know why you would rush him back for CSU Pueblo, but uh, it would be great if he came back for Loyola Marymount. Uh, but there's a chance uh, he just sits out the, the final three conference uh, regular season, uh, uh, non-conference games and comes back for the uh, for league play. Um, so uh, following Sunday's game versus the Thunderwolves, the Rams will have five days between their next game. And that one is at Loyola Marymount before closing the regular season, December 29th versus Adams State. So after a grueling non-conference slate, the Rams are going to play just three games in 20 days. So that'll be good for him. Loyal Marymount is key to finishing the non-conference schedule with a very impressive 12 and one record. If they could do that, man, that would be great. It won't be easy though. The lions are six and four. They have won four of their last five, including a 78 75 win over UNLV in the Jack Jones classic event on Saturday. That was in Henderson, Nevada. Um, but uh, they've got a couple games before we roll into town. They play uh, UC Santa Barbara and Detroit mercy. Uh, here in the next uh, week. Uh, but if you could finish 12 and one with this schedule, you get a quad two win over Louisiana tech, a quad two over ACC foe Boston college, a 21 point quad one blowout win over Creighton from the big East. They're currently number five in net rankings. Amazing win. That was a quad two win over rival CU. And that could very well be uh, a quad one eventually by uh, some point in this year. Uh, Cause they are close uh, to getting to that mark and then a quad two win over Washington, which also could end up as a cute, uh, as a quad one as well. They're, they're currently five spots away from that being a quad one. Uh, yes, the, the loss to St. Mary's is a blemish, a quad three loss, but that uh, is a team I can see continuing to win throughout the year. They'll, they'll roll through most of their league play. They'll probably rise to a quad two by season's end. So not the, the not the most damaging loss. And everybody knows St. Mary's. It's a brand name now, and, and they play tough basketball. So um, it was not uh, the end of the world there. We all wanted to roll through the non-conference unblemished, but uh, unfortunately that didn't happen. You know, we all get caught up in these rankings because they're fun, the, the net rankings, the AP, the coaches. But honestly, to me, you know, this daily monitoring of the, the ranking is just, I mean, I don't even really care that much. It's so cool to see us there, but uh, I just want to see us keep playing a good brand of basketball, get guys healthy. And what I want this year is a Mountain West title. I was a freshman in 1991. I missed the tiny era by one year. I have not seen a Mountain West title outside of the 2003 tourney run. Uh, and it's about time. We, we have we have the team to do that. And lastly, it just stinks to see Dallin Holker leaving. Uh, he posted that he's going to the NFL draft next year. That's going to be a setback. I hope Tory isn't next, but that's a definite possibility. Kind of makes this flop of a season that much more difficult to stomach. You know, losing key pieces going into next year, I think it's going to make breaking out next year uh, that much tougher. But all right, uh, before we bring in Joe Parker, let me uh, pause real quick. 
and tell you about Ginger and Baker. They were recently voted the best wedding rehearsal dinner venue uh, by NoCo Style Magazine and their best of NoCo 2023. If you've ever been to Ginger and Baker, you'd know why. This place is first class in everything they do. Stop in for an amazing dinner at the Cash where you can enjoy fine steaks and chops, good whiskey, or select from their award-winning wine list. If you're looking for a more casual dining outing, check out the cafe with their wide offering of American comfort food classics. Ginger Baker also features a coffee shop, event spaces, and a teaching kitchen, the latter of which has got a ton of great events all month long. They are very popular. They fill up quick. There's a macaron madness, a pot pie, a tamale class, and a kid's baking class all in the next week, and they're all jam-packed, sold out. Uh, but they do have some other classes coming up, the Ugly Sweater Cookie Decorating class, Chocolate Explosion Pie class, and a bunch of others later this month, including the New Year's Eve Surf and Turf class. That sounds amazing. Check out gingerandbaker.com slash calendar for a full list of events. If you're still Christmas shopping, check out the market for great gift ideas. Everything is decked out in holiday decor. Get in there and check it out. This place is amazing, guys. Support our friend Ginger Graham and treat yourself to a world-class experience at our favorite place, Ginger and Baker. All right, happy to bring in CSU Athletic Director Joe Parker. Joe, seems like yesterday that we just had you on in November. Another month has flown by. We're almost to Christmas, which is hard to believe. How are you doing? Great, Joel. It's uh, You're right, it has been a busy few weeks since we were last together, but that's just the nature of it. We're beyond crossover season, though, so we're now just focused on basketball at the moment. So it's yeah. good. Well, uh, coming off a tough loss for the men's hoop team, hoops team on Saturday, but um, you have to be impressed with the product that has been put on the court, both for men and women, quite honestly, um, but the men in particular, and then the response from the fans and, and the students especially. Um, how has that been seeing, obviously it, the winning helps, but just seeing efforts that you guys have been putting in and now seeing the response with uh, Moby being packed? two two games in a row yeah you know we we always do our very best to prepare for you know for for this you know when you have success so I, i'm proud of the way that the, both of those teams are playing which has certainly amped up uh fan engagement um i've got a book on my bookshelf it's it's a buddy of mine wrote in sports marketing it says uh winning is not a strategy and i would have to say winning is the only strategy i think so that's uh that seems to be what what really motivates people to to engage around programs. And, and it's obvious when you see what's happening with our men's basketball team right now, but, but, you know, what you do have to do is, is get, you know, ready for that moment. And I think we've, we've done a really nice job with, you <clears throat> know, all of our external areas to, to get prepared for that and the way that we do present, you know, the, the game execution and, and those things. And, and, you know, what's also revealed, too, is that, you know, Moby is a building that was built in 1966, 1967. And it's, you know, so when people offer thoughts around, you know, how we can, you know, do better. I mean, I, I hear them. I do. Um, but, you know, the concourses are, are you know, limited to the existing square footage. You know, the we have one surface lot that's identified for the building that, that uh, you know, we use our primary parking area. And when when the building's full and I'm not going to complain about that, you know, it just it puts strains on on, you know, and it reveals those limitations. Obviously, I love Moby. It's a great arena. <clears throat> um, it's awesome when it's full. Uh, last week, 7100 against DU on a Wednesday night, sell out on Saturday, loud. Um, but 
as you said, we need we need some upgrades. We need VIP areas. We need boxes. Definitely need a new sound system. Uh, that doesn't sound like Charlie Brown's teacher trying to talk to us, you know. Um, now that we got the very much needed renovations to our locker rooms, we got the new floor. Uh, what's next? Uh, yeah, I I think you know one we've we've got President Parsons who's really interested in in continuing to enhance this campus, not only you know elements of the campus that that support athletics, but but um, you know other important academic areas of the institution. And so I, I I'd say just stay tuned. You know I, I think there's some interest in <clears throat> in understanding what the long term needs for a a public assembly facility would be, um, you know, whether that's a renovation of Moby or, or, you know, a brand new facility, but we're, you know, I think there's going to be some study and some effort placed around that to really begin to understand what, what the feasibility would be, you know, kind of a master plan of, of that. You know, I, 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 I like you, Mike, I love Moby. I think it's just, it's got such a, a good feel about it. And and what's different about Moby versus Hughes, and I've, I've talked about this before, is that, you know, because Moby sits right on campus and it's been used more than six Saturdays a year, Hughes was, you know, had that limitation. Um, you know, there's been consistent deferred maintenance put into the building. So it's, 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 I mean, all the kind of hard infrastructure of the building is, has been well-maintained. Now, some of the you know, some of the other elements, as you pointed out, like the sound system and and uh, maybe, you know, some of the LED elements, you know, they're, they're starting to age a little bit and need, need some tender, loving care. But I, I and the fact that we did put uh, between phase one and phase two of the locker room project for, for basketballs, the basketball programs and the other sports that are housed in Moby, you know, we put um, almost $15 million into locker room renovations in the last, you know, two years, 28 months. So I, you know, I, I don't think I want to just evaporate that by, you know, taking a new building approach. Um, what I have, what I've seen in my experience in college sports is, you know, if you got a building like Allen Fieldhouse at KU, if you got Gallagher Iba at Oklahoma state, if you got Moby arena here at Colorado state, you know, there may be a, a nice balance between, you know, trying to do a, a project that preserves all the good positive things about that facility, but then upgrades it so that it feels like a, a more modern facility as it, as it serves the people that are in the building, particularly when you're at a sellout. I I love the capacity. I don't think we need much bigger or any bigger. Um, you're, you pointed out the idea that premium seating, you know, we're sold out on club seats. We have been for the last three seasons. Uh, you know, so there's obviously interest for a, a higher end experience beyond just, you know, sitting in, in uh, the, the ordinary chair backs. Um, so I think there's, there's, there's some interesting things that can be done probably to, to make it a, a, a modernized facility that would serve for the next three decades. So stay tuned. You know, I think there's some interest in trying to queue, queue a project up and see what we could do, but in any case, it's going to cost, um, you know, it's going to take resources. So we're going to, you know, if that's the, the direction that we're going to go, we've got to make sure that the fan base understands that and gets mobilized around it. And so, and, and listening to you talk, it's exciting just to kind of think of the possibilities, but what, what are possibilities? There's only so many things you can do. I mean, we've had a bunch of questions on this. Someone asked, you know, how would you add premium seating? How would you make the concourses bigger? Does that require 
popping the top off? Does it require blowing out the the side of the uh, the concourses and extending that out to the out what would currently be outside? And and where would premium seating go? Are you would you build some balconies into the corners? You know those kind of things. Is that anything that you guys have thought about, or is it you need to get an architect in here and a designer to kind of figure out what you can do? Yes, yes, and yes. Um, but no, we we haven't engaged anyone formally to kind of help plan on it. But but you know, when I mentioned um, Allen Fieldhouse and Gallagher Iba, um, you know, they didn't overdo premium seating in those spaces. You know, but but what they did do is they did the things that you referenced too in your remarks, where they expanded the envelope of those buildings to to make it easier for people to circulate and. And, um, you know, and then seek, you know, services from the amenities, you know, concessions and just access to the things that people want. And I, and I don't know, I don't think with Moby that we'd want to overload premium seating. You know, I, <clears throat> you know, I think, um, you know, Bob Davis Hall, if you, if you've got access to the courtside club, it's, it's a packed space. It is, it's, it's, um, you know, so I could see us wanting to expand those type of opportunities. You know, Nico, for the last three seasons, has done the the round ball club, and that's been, you know, was we used you know the old Joy Porter locker room, and now we use now that space has been um, you know converted into the the new student lounge and and feeling station for the student athletes that utilize Moby, and that's tight space. So you know, I think there's there's got to be ways for us to think you know about creating hospitality areas that that aren't necessarily <clears throat> directly attached to the game experience itself but but give a place for people to be hosted and entertained pre-game halftime and and even post-game you know I'd love to see us over time develop you know some kind of programming that that you know is attractive enough that people would want to stick it stick it out now you know depends on tip time you know you get too late you know people want to get get home and, and get rested for the next day but um you know it's Things to be talked about in the future, things that we've talked about here already, but, but uh, you know, winning programs make you think about it more and more and more. You brought up the sound system. We hear it all the time on Rampage. <clears throat> and um, I actually had, had not really noticed the issue with it until, because I think in my seats, which are behind the visitor bench, it's not horrible. But on Saturday, we had sat across from the CSU bench and it was a drastic difference. So I don't know if it was the acoustics or where speakers are, but uh, I did finally notice what the what the issue was, uh, and I know you've heard it a million times. What what kind of investment, just for the record, would it take to to replace that? Are we talking six mm -hmm. figures? Are we talking, you know, I think you're getting close. You're probably getting close to seven figures. So when wow. people when people want to snap their fingers or wave the magic wand, you know, you know, give me that wand and I'll wave it. You know, um, but yeah, it it I I'd love to be able to do it. You know sooner rather than later, but, you know, we need a, a sound financial model to make sure that it, it doesn't, uh, you know, hinder anything else that we want to do. So, you know, it, it just takes time, time and resources and, and we'll, we'll get there. You know, I'm confident we will, but, you know, until then, you know, just, just, uh, just you know, show, yeah, show a little patience and, uh, and, uh, you know, your voices have been heard. Would it is, be is um, this kind of like with Hughes because it was so outdated that the technology just it, it can't be just throwing up new speakers. There's got to be whole like a wholesale change 
just to get that technology up to date? You know, Mike, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, we've we've had some outside consultants come in and just try and tweak the existing system. Um, you know, we we've done, you know, modest upgrades and and just, you know, deferred maintenance, you know, as 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 equipment has failed, we've replaced it. So at this point, it 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 it's not a comprehensive design system. You know, it's it's a bit of a Frankenstein. Um, so, so you know, I think that's probably hurting performance as well. Uh, but but you know, to, to truly fix it, it would require you know us to engage someone that's going to come in and do a total redesign, a brand new install of a of a system, and uh, what that solution looks like and what that solution ultimately costs. I don't. I don't know. I just know, you know, when, when you attempt these things, it's, it's never, um, it's always more than you might expect. <clears throat> Is next season a realistic time frame if you were to come up with funds? Um, if, if we had funds, yeah, we could do anything, <clears throat> but you know, that's, that's the big question, <clears throat> you know, and, and those are, those are things that are, aren't, easy to privately fundraise but if you guys want to start a gofundme account and ram nation responds we'll take care of it you know i'll put it on ram nation you guys okay you want a new sound system you know activate the base make sure that they come through and we'll do it so you don't need just a couple grand for this i told you what i think we need so and i'm not saying just you guys you know there's a whole group of people that have great thoughts around how we can improve the place so we're just asking for their help We'll, we'll we'll go to Best Buy and see what they can uh what they can do <laughs> help us out on that. We'll 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 get up in the rafters, all three of us, and string some speaker wire and see what can come up. <laughs> so th th this has come up a lot the last few weeks uh, with all the eyes on us. We used to have a very iconic and nationally known floor since the since the re uh, the reflooring two seasons ago different paint job now it just seems like a every court in the in the ncaa any thoughts about going back to the to the whores or or i know that they're there making them more pronounced on the next paint job uh i well the next paint job is going to be years from now unless you know unless it's a part of a a broader innovation but but I don't know, rightly or wrongly, you've got to make decisions, you know, and everyone's going to have an opinion about, you know, where you land. Um, I've heard enough people uh, affirm that they like the new court design. You know, I think our most iconic brand representation is the Rams head logo. You know, we tried to emphasize that in this design, you know, the horns are, are, are used, but, but, you know, I don't think unless you're a Ram, you know, you don't really understand them as well as, you know, people that are outside. So, you know, we wanted to lighten the floor up. I think I watch, you know, I've watched some of the games broadcast and and I think it really highlights the play on the court. I think it makes it easy for people to, to watch the movement of players and ball movement. Um, I, you know, the horns are still there. Um, they're just not as, as visible and, um, you know, and I'll, you know, from my personal opinion, the horns were my least favorite part of the court. So, you know, people are looking to blame someone, just lay it on me. So you didn't want to go the Oregon route, <clears throat> really muck it up. Um, no. And, you know, Las Vegas, <laughs> I mean, 
I don't know. You know, I mean, it, it's a basketball game. You know, we want to highlight who we are, which the Rams head logo does that. You know, the, the other, you know, Bank of Colorado is our is our partner on the court naming. You know, we, we put stalwart on there because we want to emphasize that as a part of a word mark that we're proud of, because I think that that really talks to 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 people about what it means to be a Ram. Um, you know, there's that grit and grind and blue collarness about who we are. So I think stalwart is a perfect word and that word mark is important to us. You know, we, we, we uh, brought consistent font with the, the stratum font, which is the Under Armour font that we use on the uniforms, you know, that articulates the Colorado state, you know, on the, on the baseline. So, you know, I mean, again, you know, I mean, I'm sure there are people out there that can find reasons to criticize it and feel like they, we should have done something different, but um, you know, that, that we've got our design and, and, uh, has it been down two years or three years now? I can't remember. This is the second, the third season. <clears throat> third season, yeah. Where are you, Mike? Do you do you, do you like it, or you want something different? You want to go back to the old, older? I wish the horns were dated. a little bit more pronounced, but I do love the I love the font. I love the ends. Um, <clears throat> it really pops. That's why I just a little bit a little bit more pronounced on the horns. Uh, yeah. I think would look great, but. I do. I mean, everything else, exactly what you said. Love it. It's yeah. a crisp floor. I I have no problem with it. It's a crisp yeah. floor. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't – I haven't been on Ram Nation lately. Do I have an account, Joel? Did you give me an account? Do I have to pay to be on there? <laughs> you do not have to pay for it. I could get yes, you – Yes, you have to pay us. <laughs> <laughs> It'll just cost you a couple courtside seats. That's all. Yeah. Uh, what, should my, what should be my handle? What should be my little avatar that I that oh my I, goodness that I work behind? Let's see. What are some of the favorites that we hear, Mike? <laughs> Sleepy oh. Joe. <laughs> Sleepy Joe. <laughs> that would that would be good. I am tired sometimes. I need more rest. Yeah. You're overworked. Hey, what else? What's the next subject, guys? Let's go. This, is, this has been really cool. Uh, Waking up every day, looking at the net rankings, you know, seeing us in the top 25 of the polls. It's you can't really buy some of this uh, exposure that we're getting, especially with some of the national talking heads. I mean, who was it? Doug Gottlieb that said last week he he sees us as a, a top four team in the country. Um, this is just it's it's priceless stuff. But have you guys like kind of figured out? Have you been able to put like. Is this worth like what, what kind of monetary value is CSU's name being in the top 25 and in national uh, media at all times? Um, is that is that something you can quantify? Uh, I'm sure you could probably hire some consultant that could, you know, figure out how the, you know, how to value the mentions. Um, but but these are moments that, you know, that, that I mean, you Intercollegiate athletics is important to this campus for a number of reasons, but but that's one of them. You know, it helps to brand build. It helps to build exposure. You know, that in turn, you know, makes prospective students think more and more about this as an option for them, um, particularly with out-of-state students. I think, you know, in-state, you know, obviously you'd imagine that awareness is much stronger. So anytime you can attract an out-of-state student and and get the, them to come to campus, I mean, the 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 net financial impact of that is significant for the university. So, so yeah, I mean, this is, this is, uh, you know, these are moments where you want to, want to, you know, hopefully continue them and build upon them and, and, you know, prove our worth to, uh, to, you know, everyone that, that, uh, you know, has, 
you know, a, some some level of criticism about, about athletics and the amount of uh, investment that occurs in athletics. But but you know, we're you know, I, I I've said a lot. You know, Canvas Stadium is a primary engagement asset for the institution. You know, I I think athletics is really you know the the primary you know uh, brand awareness building entity of of campus. You know, so many so many presidents talk about it being the front porch and. And these are moments where, you know, the porch light is on. You know, it's funny. Um, it Like you said, it's it's experiences as well. And, you know, I since I was a freshman in 1991, holy crap, I have not seen us win a conference championship and got there right after the tiny Boyd era. And uh, but we brought a couple buddies up to the game uh, who hadn't been there in years. And they and they track CSU basketball. They love CSU basketball. They just never come up for Denver guys, South Denver guys and they just could not get over the atmosphere. It was, it reminded them of the the old days of, you know, the tiny, the tiny crowds uh, that they had. And they were just, they could not stop raving. Obviously we lost, but they just, they loved the the brand of basketball we're playing the atmosphere. So this is really doing wonders with uh, galvanizing the fan base and, and giving experiences. It's also to the students to keep them coming back. So it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. It, it is. And like, you know, I said earlier in our conversation, you know, Winning is the only strategy. I mean, I, I have never been more convinced about that. You know, when we when we, when we ended up in the tournament and played Michigan that first game, you know, we had five sellouts, and that was only because you know that our team was playing really, really well and and had, you know, was at a moment where we were you know competing for the championship and in a spot in the NCAA tournament. So you know, I guess this is the answer. We just got to make sure we maintain this every year. Now, you, you've shown in the past after the 21 and 22 seasons uh, to really work with Coach Medved. You gave him extensions. You opened up the pool for his assistance after that 22 run. This is kind of different. We've been getting a ton of national exposure, a ton of talk, as, as Joel brought up earlier. Has, have there been any discussions on next steps with Coach Medved, or are we waiting, waiting <laughs> so that he focuses on the season, so that he knows that – for himself, he's focusing on the season as opposed to what's going on down the line. Yeah, there, Mike. There's a time and place for all of those conversations. You know, the way the way that extension that we did a few years back works is it it was a five year base, um, and then it had three one year extensions in it. So you can only do five years as a full term, but those three one year extensions were at either party's activation. So uh, the first year, um, I think we activated it. The second year, Nico did. And there's still one more. So we could we could activate one more anytime after January 1st. And then that would put him in a, in a full five-year contract. You know, so he'd have five years remaining starting January 1st on his, on his employment agreement with us. Now that that's in the deal that we negotiated, you know, now, I guess three years ago, I think it was, um, you know, so, but, but, you know, if the, if the season continues and we move into conference play and we, you know, we're still having the kind of year that we, we always aspire to have, there's still an opportunity for, for us to, you know, just have a, a totally refreshed conversation about what the relationship should look like. And, um, and I would expect that, you know, that that might be the way that things uh, play out. Well, the way that you've done this in the past, that means that there's going to be an extension announcement next week. 
because you're always pretty very you're coy. Pretty. <laughs> Actually, contract. Hey, we had Nico on last week, um, and one of the things he had mentioned was he's talking about how the all important first game of the Mount West schedule is New Mexico on January 2nd. And obviously the students are going to be gone. I think it's the only league game where the students are going to be gone. I think he said, um, yeah. obviously that's going to be up to the general public and alumni to, to really kind of to step in for the students who may not be in uh, out in full force for that game. Is there anything um, you guys have lined up as far as promotions or special plans to, to entice fans to get out? Um. I mean, it's it's a big hole to fill when the students are off campus. I mean, that's, you know, we rely on them for anywhere from 2,500 to 4,000 when there's, you know, a lot of student interest. So, you know, we'll, I, I would guess in the season that we're having, we'll, we'll probably find some of our Northern Colorado based students, you know, elect to be at the game. So that'll, that'll fill more than, you know, a, a bit of the gap. And then, um, you know, we'll we'll run some special promos. I'll have to visit with Chris to see exactly what they've got queued up. But you know, at, at this point too, you know, you don't. And and I'm also convinced too, price is not where you go first and foremost to try and drive interest. You know that that you just you know when you we can achieve a sellout in basketball. I mean, it's about seventy thousand dollars to the plus side of for the department. You know, so. I don't think we wanted to do anything with the pricing model to diminish interest when we have, you know, students on campus and they can engage around the basketball program. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully we can get through that one game and, and, you know, keep the attendance up. You know, Mike, you mentioned the fact that, you know, midweek game against DU, it's 7,100. I mean, that's, I have to look back. That's other than times that we played. Did I say CU or DU? DU. You said DU. DU. <clears throat> okay. Yep. Other than the times that we played CU, you know, I don't remember us having ever a non-conference game that that has drawn that number. So I'm I'm really encouraged. You know, we want to continue to kind of maybe it's all about the beer and wine too. Maybe it, maybe that's what's <laughs> driving it. I don't know, but it is uh, a nice touch. Yeah, it is, and it and it's how how it's been. You know, I I don't obviously I can't have abide uh, during a game. You know, I'm I'm busy. It's work day for me, but What's been the experience as you try to buy a beer or a wine? What do you mean, a Amy? I saw Amy <laughs> drinking wine courtside with with Terrell Davis, so she can do it. You could do it. Well, but, her uh, her responsibilities are a little bit different on game day. <laughs> She's in full hospitality mode, entertaining Terrell Davis. But you know, there may be a moment where I've got to intervene. You know, and I, I <laughs> you know, I want to make sure that uh, I've got all my wits about me. Well, I, th I think it's been great being able to bring it to the to the seats for sure. You definitely got to find the right time to get in line to get a beer because the lines are long. But it is wonderful to just have a beer with me at the seat, and it, it's it's a good thing. And as the uh, so-called petting zoo, it has been a lot less busy because people could go on the concourses and and get them. So that's opened up that. So it's a lot more enjoyable to actually see the action on the floor. So I I, I think it's been great. Yeah, that's all good. Love that feedback. All right, so switching gears uh, from Moby and basketball. We need to talk a little bit about women's basketball before we... That's Mike's Joel part. Was Mike. supposed, Joel yeah. was supposed to ask something about that first question I mean, on the gate. We brought up the 8-0. Yeah, I mean, 
talk about Ryan Williams and the job he's doing in, in McKenna Hofshield. Yeah. And, you know, Ryan is, you know, he's moving in that sphere of Dean of coaching kind of with his tenure here, you know, Bedard, um, you know, when, when Tom retired, Bedard handed the, or rather Tom handed the baton off to Bedard, but, you know, for arena programs, you know, Ryan has been here a, a, a long stretch, better than a decade. Um, he's done incredible work. You know, it, it just, it shows when you, when you have strong leadership um, and you stick with it, um, you know, there was a, a dip a while back, but, you know, I, I mean, he's kind of restructured the roster in a different way. You know, when he first got here, it was a big focus on internationals, not so much now, more domestic players and, and, uh, you know, with a small roster size, you know, you can't make many mistakes. And and certainly, you know, having McKenna Hofschild here has been a remarkable reward for CSU basketball and the fans that support that program. And uh, she's meant so much to this, you know, probably in our history, maybe only second to to Becky Hammond. You know, and the fact that they're both undersized players is is a nice thing to kind of play on, too. But um Excited about what's ahead. You know, they've got they've got a lot of want to in this season to prove, you know, they uh, that they can be, you know, one of the most, if not the most competitive program in the Mountain West. And and, uh, you know, since I've been here, the women's team has only made the NCAA tournament once. So that'd be pretty special. If we can figure out a way in this in this year where, you know, McKenna's having a great year and the other teammates are as well that, you know, we, we make it into the tournament. But to do that, you got to win. Got to win the, the the automatic qualifier, which is the tournament play in Las Vegas. So that's what one thing we need to start talking about right now. And you guys, I'm going to hold you responsible. Let's uh, let's do our very best to sell out our lot at the Mountain West tournament. You know that that's something that we should challenge ourselves to do. You know, there's enough people that that likes that love CSU that if they just circle that time period you know, to, to structure a Vegas trip around, that'd be awesome. So we need to start thinking about that. <clears throat> so every, every day between now and tournament time, you guys need to drum up a post about attendance at Las Vegas and see if we can, if we can make it happen. It's a good but, call but out. One game at a time, one game at a time. Can't, can't look in no, the No, 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 no. We can, we can do both these things concurrent, Mike. We can, we can support the, to the regular season and we can, <laughs> we can point to what's, uh, what's ahead because, you know that's that's where we gotta we gotta show up. Both teams have gotta perform at that tournament, and fans are gonna matter. I do like that because we we have not done a historically a good job selling selling tickets for that, and it is a it is an awesome time out there at the, at that event. So, um, and it should be a great tournament this year. The Mount West is really good. All right, uh, and and I want to also mention because you you talked about Ryan Williams and the fact that you know he did have a couple dips of a year uh, a couple years there. But it just kind of shows you in this fire culture where you have one bad year, everyone's looking to fire somebody. And I think there's something to be said for continuity and sticking with the staff and and not turning over a roster every couple of years. So um, that's a good example of, uh, of a guy who's just kind of stayed consistent and done things the right way. And and hopefully he can keep it going here this year. Three more three more games, including a, an SEC opponent coming to town December 20th, Mississippi State. So um, good stuff going on on both sides of basketball. Yeah, absolutely. How how great of a partnership is that Mountain West Network? 
I haven't been up. I haven't been up for a women's game, but I've watched almost. Every, I, I think I've missed one game so far this season just by able to stream it. So, how important is that for getting the brand out, especially for sports like volleyball and women's basketball? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I'd, I'd hate to be doing our jobs without access to you know those broadcast opportunities to get it out on a stream, you know. And it is it is a true partnership, Mike. You know, we. We do all the, you know, game production with our staff, our broadcast services staff. And, um, you know, we've got a, a, a new leader in that area, Jerem, who's done a tremendous job. He came to us from Missouri. So he's kind of resumed the model that, that Ben Bruin had built that, um, you know, we, we, we do it primarily with students. You know, we've got a handful of full-time employees in that space, but, you know, we don't do too much uh, with freelance, but we're able to really offer bona fide practical experiences to students. And that's another another really service that that we feel compelled to provide to the university to give students those opportunities. But it's uh, it's meaningful. And, uh, you know, we continue to work to build the brand, of the Mountain West Network. And and that's you know an option that we're always going to turn to for our our Olympic sport programs and and uh, women's programs. So that gives us a, a great way to, to highlight and build the brand of, of those um, of those teams. All right, now switching gears. Um, so last week it was made official, um, but can you give us any updates about the new PAC-2 Mountain West scheduling agreement? Uh, yeah, it, you know, it's, it, the release was, was pretty clear, but I, I'm happy to kind of explain it. Um, uh, you know, so obviously those two schools still have a very strong interest in trying to remain or maintain their autonomy as a as a league. Um, and that sounds unusual. You know, how can you have a two member conference? But in the case of FBS, so football full subdivision, you have two years to cure what what as they refer to it. So they have two years to try and get their conference back to a minimum of eight members. And so they wanted some time to try and look through options to possibly do just that. Uh, in order to do that, they needed games to play in 2024, which, you know, obviously the 23 season's over. So we're less than a year from playing football in the 24 season. So they they made an approach and started a conversation with Gloria Navarez, the commissioner of the Mountain West. And, and we had interest as a league to try and, you know, help them, but more more than help them, probably try and build a framework that could bridge to a future that might include them on a permanent basis. So what we've done is we've agreed to one year, a scheduling alliance where we, all the mem existing members of the Mountain West have agreed to reduce our conference schedule by one. So we're going to play seven conference games. And then that plus one additional spot, will play either Washington State or Oregon State in either a home or away. And by doing that, that gives both of those schools six games from the scheduling alliance. So they then have the three games in their non-conference schedule. So they have a total of nine. Um, they'll play each other, obviously. So that gets them to the 10. So how they fill their two, two final spots is really up to them. You know, are they, are they, you know, there there is an option for them, I think, too, to play each other twice in a home and away. That'd be highly unusual, very unorthodox. But then that would put it where they've only got one game to fill to get to their 12. So that that keeps them 
um, you know, viable for the 24 football season. To do that, we asked for financial consideration and the number that was agreed upon was $14 million. That's going to the league office. Uh, the league will, you know, there might be some hard costs associated with this, you know, related to, you know, I don't know, replay, officiating, other things, you know, it'll be minimal. And then that net, net, net number would then be divided amongst our existing membership. So it'll be, it'll be a boost to the FY25 budget year for us. Um, we're doing it in football only. The doors open a little bit for some discussion around basketball. Although I think most of the ADs would move in that direction very cautiously. Um, and I think they're also exploring options within the, the West Coast Conference to fill out a basketball schedule. And then we've agreed on one year. We'll assess it as, you know, through the fall and decide if we want to do it again in 25. But, you know, ho hopefully we'll figure out a way to, you know, to, to, to make a permanent integration of the conference and, and just, you know, they, I think they're, you know, they want to keep options open and this is a way to keep those options open. But eventually I think those options are going to get narrowed where they, they recognize that if they're going to play football in the Western United States, that they've got to be aligned with those of us that are in the Mountain West. When will we know um, which Mountain West team will be removed from our schedule and whether we'll play Oregon State or Washington? <laughs> Would that be a road game or a home game? And is there any well, risk of losing our seventh home game? Some of us know already, Joel, but you can't share. I can't share. No. Joe, give us a scoop. I, I, I can't. We get... won't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they've they've started to develop. You know what will likely be the twenty four schedule for all of Mount West teams, and you know that would incorporate the scheduling alliance. <clears throat> I I think it'll be closer to the traditional, you know, football announcements. So you're, you're looking at March, April, probably. Um, I'm not sure if the conference office has a plan to do it any sooner. You know, they want to get the input from the TV partners, you know, but I, I think what's been shared with us is probably likely to, to be what will transpire. So, you know, we, we know who we play and we know where we play. So any chance that we lose a home game or anything like that? Or is that those numbers no. stay the same? No, nope. okay. no, nope. no chance. Still, still got our seven home games next year. Yep. Still got our seven home games. And as a reminder to Ram Nation, okay, this is our little infomercial. And again, this is a, a little task for you all. Every week you need to make mention that we are playing this game from or a, a team from Boulder next year. So um, tickets are going to be tight in football. Season tickets are always the best option. Um, we, we, they set the price, they set the market. They were 130 last year. We're 130 this year for an individual game ticket. If, if you could even buy an individual game ticket for that event. So think about season tickets, great value in that. And, uh, you should continue to share that with Ram nation. Um, great opportunity for us to sell, sell out the season. If we can make it happen. Absolutely. I saw a report, a report uh, last week or the week before that that Texas Tech is breaking their agreement to come to Fort Collins. Um, what um, that, uh, that I mean, I think they're exploring. You know, they Kirby called me a month ago or so. We were talking about some other stuff, and um, you know, he mentioned that there's interest on their campus at, at consistently hosting seven home games. 
And so to do that, they'd have to, they'd have to, you know, look at un unwinding at least their trip here. Um, so, so, but nothing's been finalized. You know, there's obviously some financial implications if they do that, that work to our favor, you know, so I don't know. I, I haven't talked to him in those, and, and since, since we had that first conversation and then I did, I did see some of the media reporting um, out of Lubbock. So I know that they're exploring it. And, you know, because of that, we're going to, we're going to make sure that we've, you know, understand our optionalities too. So if they make that move, if that happens, are there teams that you have on speed dial programs you have on speed dial that we could fill? And also what about after 2027? We're, we're full up till then, not much past that. Uh, yes, you know, we've already started to look at, you know, if that's the direction that Texas Tech decides to go, you know, what are our options? How do we, how do we, uh, you know, replace those games? And then, uh, yes, Mike, we've, we've already started to look beyond, uh, where our current schedule is filled out. It's going to be interesting, you know, as, as, you know, as people absorb this latest round of conference realignment, you know, what do they decide to do with their conference schedules? What becomes their institutional or conference scheduling philosophies? You know, where does that leave, you know, the availability of, of some of the games that we've enjoyed so much? Um, you know, hopefully we can continue to, you know, schedule as we have, um, you know, with, with you know, we didn't have a guaranteed game this year, but, you know, we will, you know, moving forward. And, and that's always important to our budget. I think it's also important to just get our, our fans out, you know, to, to visibly see, you know, what the experience is at other places and, and hopefully feel, you know, you know, we, we learn from it, you know, as a staff and it gives our players an opportunity to see iconic places and, and play those games. We're, we're at Texas next year. Remember that folks. So that'll yeah. be one that most people should circle and think about. And again, the best way to get a Texas ticket is to be a season ticket holder. The only way to get a Texas ticket may be to be a season ticket holder. So just things to think about, you know, as we mature as a program, you know, it's going to be much easier to have access to the things that you want if you're a season ticket holder. We locked down our Airbnb at the Utah Tech tailgate that day. So we're ready. Good. Good. It'll be a fun day. Austin's a great place to watch a game. You know, my five years there were, you know, a lot of fun. A lot of things have changed since then, but, but uh, you know, if you're going to do it, you got to start planning now. And your pal Chris Del Conte is there. Maybe you could throw us a big party. Uh, yeah, you know, Chris is always good for for some fun. So Maybe a let us uh, win. <laughs> there'll be no let but we will we will earn the victory we will earn right. the victory. all right i like it uh, a couple more here for you joe um with the downfall of the pac-12 and and um you know one less autonomous conference you could see it coming from a mile away i think we touched on it a little bit last month but uh the money hungry ad's and presidents have now pushed instead of a six and six playoff model it's this now five and seven uh, meaning that the champs from four, the four autonomous conferences plus the top team and the G5 will get the automatic bids. It, did you know that that was going to happen and uh, just, just could see it coming? And is that fair? Was there any sort of uproar between the G5 commissioners and presidents and ADs at all? Or is it just um, like, we, this is going to happen, there's nothing we can do about it? Yeah, the the, the voting model is structured such that, you know, it, it it's hard to, 
you know, it's hard to change the momentum of whatever the A5 at one time, now the A4 decide is in the best interest of, of college football. Uh, but, but I, but I also think too, that, you know, commissioner Sankey, um, especially, you know, he's, he is well, and, and Jim Phillips. So of the two commissioners, they're the ones that came from traditional backgrounds, you know, that, that had, you know, really only in their, in their histories, you know, college sports, um, in the case of Jim, you know, he was attached to a campus for a long, long time. So he knows, you know, the challenges and opportunities that, that, um, you know, that, you know, the daily practitioners experience. So I, I think those two voices will, will, you know, for at least this near term, recognize and advocate for the value of having every FBS playing school uh, with a clear pathway to the, the playoff. And, for me, that's what I've always said. And every every national meeting that I've been a part of, um, <clears throat> anytime I can have dialogue with influencers, you know, that that's what has to, that door has to be open. You know, that that needs to be a option for everyone that has the aspiration to play FBS football to to at least fulfill that aspiration of touching into the, the playoff. And and I and I hope that never changes. I, I hope that never changes. So I have one last question, Joe. Joe, um, what are your thoughts on the FSU being left out of the college football playoff, undefeated? They were number four in the uh, in the rankings the week before. They win their conference title and then they drop down to fifth. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think with only four teams, it's, it's really difficult and you're always going to disappoint someone. Um, you know, the job of the committee is to put the four very best, most competitive teams that have the highest opportunity to earn a national championships through that format in the game so that we can see just that happen. Florida state, you know, I feel for them. I, I get it, you know, they, they did everything that they were supposed to do by finishing a regular season and and their conference championship game undefeated as an A4 uh, member. But they're a different team, I think, without some of the personnel. And and that's what's really hard, right? And and I know that wasn't a, a widely discussed criteria on how, you know, the, the, the committee might make a decision, but but you know, I was talking to one of my swimmer buddies who is struggling with it. He lives in Tallahassee. He's a faculty member there now, but he and I went to school at U of M together. And, you know, now this is ancient history, but, you know, you, you, you Stanford won a lot of titles when I was at swimming and Texas did too. And you take any one of their, you know, multi champions out of the mix and they wouldn't have been the same team. So I think that's kind of how the committee looked at it is it, you know, without without a high performing quarterback like Florida State had throughout the entire most of the regular season, that you know the playoff was going to look really different for them. So feel for them, but you know also feel for the job the committee had to come up and make a decision with. Last thing for me, um, mm -hmm. so the Mountain West champion was again not uh, an option for a New Year's Six bowl. League has been good, but uh, it just. It's kind of sucky to see the AAC Sun Ballot and even Conference USA teams being selected uh, ahead of us. 
obviously that's going to change next year with <clears throat> the ability to have a 12 team playoff and the ability if you play yourself in if you have a good year but it seems like our basketball side of things really has got this formula where at least the last several years we've been really attractive to the net rankings we've got this non-conference formula uh, scheduling formula it seems to be working for a lot of teams and it's set us up for for good postseason uh births is there been any talk like is there anything that the mount west could do differently to uh enhance their chances or is this just a matter of hey, we got to start winning the bigger games and and not dumping two or three games in a season because that's there's no way you're going to get in with that yeah i think it like like i said before twice now on this podcast, winning is the only strategy. So I think we've, we've done everything with scheduling that we possibly can to, to put our teams in a position to gain national recognition, you know, in basketball and in football, but you just got to win games. You got to win those games or, 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 or make them close enough that, you know, that they, they, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're neutral and not negative. Well, Joe, thanks a lot. Appreciate your time again. Hope you have a great Christmas and New Year, and hopefully I'll, we'll run into you at the next Hoops game. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. Go Rams. Go Rams. All right, many thanks to Joe Parker, as well as my partner, Michael Rowe. Thank you guys for listening. Have a great rest of your week, and thank you for supporting RamNation.com. Go Rams. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.